Acts chapter 28, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 14, reading from the New American Standard Bible. When they had been brought safely through, then we found out that the island was called Malta. The natives showed us extraordinary kindness, for because of the rain that had set in and because of the cold, they kindled a fire and received us all. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself on his hand. When the natives saw the creatures hanging from, or the creature, excuse me, hanging from his hand, they began to say to one another, undoubtedly this man is a murderer, and though he has been saved from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. However, he shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. But they were expecting that he was about to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had waited a long time and had seen nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and began to say that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the leading man of the island named Publius, who welcomed us and entertained us courteously three days. And it happened that the father of Publius was lying in bed afflicted with recurrent fever and dysentery. And Paul went in to see him, and after he had prayed, he laid his hands on him and healed him. After this happened, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases were coming to him and getting cured. They also honored us with many marks of respect. When we were setting sail, they supplied us with all we needed. At the end of three months, we set sail on an Alexandrian ship, which had withered at the island, and which had the twin brothers for its figurehead. After we put in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. From there we sailed around and arrived at Regium. And a day later, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day we came to Petuli. There we found some brethren, and we were invited to stay with them for seven days. And thus we came to Rome. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this public reading of your word. I ask now, God, that you would use me to say what you want said during this time, that you would come and build up uh, your church and strengthen your believers and speak to people today. Speak to our hearts. We open ourselves up. We make ourselves available to you. God, I offer to you my weakness this morning. And... I just pray that in and through my weakness, you would show yourself strong. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, many years ago, I had this friend, and you see here in this passage, I read that they realized that they're at the, the island of Malta, but of course they didn't know that in an ancient day. It wasn't like there were signs and so forth. You've arrived at Malta and shipwreck and stirring, you know, storm and all those kinds of things. And so they later, Luke says, we found out that it was the island of Malta. It says that in verse one. And when they're trying to make a, a fire and, you know, even yesterday I had a tree trimmed and there's a big pile of brush now out at the street. And, you know, snakes just like to get in there in those things. So you just got to be careful every t- time you go up to a place like that. My friend, years ago, he was went in his room and most people don't like snakes, right? I mean, I'm one. I don't like snakes. And if you're just happen to be one of those that does, I don't mean to offend you because I do know some evidently do, but I don't. And anyway, he walked in his room and felt something bite him and he started shaking his leg and it wouldn't come off. And his mother came in and turned the, the, the light on and it was a snake and he, it had hooked on somehow to like a little bone down there. And so he was swinging his foot like this and the snake was just flipping back and forth and flipping back and forth. So she runs out of the room because first she told him he was having a nightmare. (laughs) He's like, I'm not having a nightmare. And so she calls uh, her brother, his uncle, and the, the snake was left in the room. She went ahead and took him to the emergency room. Well, the uncle comes in and he evidently had just watched this movie called 
Do you remember? In 1973, there was this movie, and the name of it was a capital S with six more S's. And this guy, he's just watched this film, so he comes in there with some sort of like a bat or something, and by the time he brought the snake to the emergency room, they couldn't tell what kind of a snake it was. <laughs> because the guy had just so obliterated the poor thing. And when this viper hooks on to Paul, and Paul shakes it off into the fire, uh, the, the natives of this island are watching, and, and it's like Luke gives us a sense here that even these islanders who don't know Jesus still have a sense that God gives all of us, made in God's image, that there is something called justice for evil that's been done. And Luke mentions, they even say justice here. There was a Greek goddess named Justice, but that's most likely he's referring to the poetic philosophical justice, or we might even call poetic justice, that sort of thing. So they even see this, and they're waiting to see what's happened to Paul. We come now to the last chapter in the book of Acts, and we actually started this series back in August 22nd of last year. August 22nd, 2021, we began in chapter 1. And now, finally, what's happened is the Apostle Paul has made his way to Rome. That's why I wanted to read all the way through verse 14. As we've gone through this, I've tried to point out that there are these six books to the book of Acts. And in the very first one, Jesus tells them they're going to be his witnesses. He says here in Judea and in Samaria, um, even to the here in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, to the outermost parts of the uh, world. This is chapter one, verse eight, that he says this. So what you see them do in this very first major section is they are in Jerusalem and the gospel begins to spread in Jerusalem as the Holy Spirit comes and empowers them to do what Jesus has called them to do. And he even told them, wait here until you receive power and you will be my witnesses then. So that's that first book. And then in the second book, they venture even into Samaria. Just as Jesus said that they would. They go into the Samaritan areas and they believe the gospel. And then in this section, this third book, you see the Apostle Paul go out on his very first uh, missionary journey and they lay hands on him. Oh, excuse me. No, it's not in this section. This third section, the gospel goes to the full-fledged Gentiles where Peter even goes into Cornelius' house uh, up north and... And they believe, and he's shocked that they have received the Holy Spirit just as the way that they had in that first section. Here now, even the Gentiles believe. They're not half Jew. They're, they're no descendant, uh, no tracing to Abraham whatsoever, and they believe. And so Luke is taking us through this, how what they're doing is they're actually following what he said they would do in chapter 1, verse 8. And then it's in this fourth section that they lay hands on the Apostle Paul, and he is sent out on his first missionary journey, and he goes into what's called Asia Minor. And so that's this area over here. Uh, And then, so this is the the progression that he's taking us through. Chapter 16 through chapter 19, you see he then goes even into these further regions. He goes over here into this section, into full-fledged Greece, until he returns back as he feels led by God to do. Because in chapter 19, verse 21, it says, Paul purposes now in his spirit to go to Rome. And he's going to go into Rome uh, because God has called him there, even though he's going to go in in chains. And the book is going to end with the Apostle Paul proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness and unhindered. I'm just reading from verse 31 there of what the Apostle Paul is going to do. Um, and it's the advancement of the kingdom. So I just said, verse 31, the kingdom of God. 
The kingdom of God is also mentioned in verse 23. This is the advancement of the kingdom as it's going out. And it really even tells us why it is that we all believe and why Christianity is even here in North America. We can trace it back to the book of Acts. That very first sermon that I preached back in August of 2021, I tried to show how what's happening happening is that the gates of Hades are being stormed by the church. See, gates, gates are something that you put up either to keep something out or to keep something in. If you have a gate on your property, it's to keep something out of your property or it might be to keep something in your property that you don't want to get out. And what the evil one has had in his domain of darkness is he's had captives. He's kept these captives in captivity. And Jesus is saying, I want you to go now and I want you to take my kingdom, the kingdom of light, into that domain of darkness. Remember the term kingdom literally means king's domain. And God has a kingdom. The devil also has, his is just called a domain of darkness. It's a place where he feels like he has dominion. And they are supposed to go in and set these captives free. And when you operate in the kingdom of God, you have authority. As I said last week, you have authority over sin, sickness, death, disease. You have authority over demons. And we see the Apostle Paul here gets bit by this viper and he shakes it off and it falls into the fire. It appears that Satan was trying to do everything he could to stop and keep the Apostle Paul from going into Rome. So when when Luke says things like, and thus we made it to Rome, and then verse 16, and when we entered Rome, he makes it to his destination. Years, 500 years or so earlier, David was running from Saul and he finally came to this place where he believed that Saul was going to kill him if he stayed. And so David has to leave and he goes over here to this region, Philistia. So this was Judah and Israel's over here. Here's Jerusalem. But you remember David is over here and he's a sojourner. Well, David is over here as a sojourner and he goes up here to Aphek and he's going to help them fight. And the generals say to the king, hey, we don't want him here. We can't trust him. You need to send him back. So David, a sojourner in a foreign land, we are exiles. We're sojourners here. David comes back to Ziklag and he finds his whole, the whole camp has been plummeted by the Amalekites. And so the Amalekites had come in while he was gone. They're from Amalek down here in the south. They come in. They steal his two wives and his kids and the other people's wives. And so he comes back to find that his own family has been taken captive. And even his own men, you may remember the story, are talking about stoning him. Now, this is David, a sojourner now, and yet he's been anointed to be king, but he hasn't been crowned yet. And it says that David strengthens himself in the Lord. He inquires of the Lord, and God says, yes, go after him. He goes after him down into Amalek, and he rescues Everybody, and he brings them all back. Do you see the correlation with us? The evil one has taken people captive. We are sojourners. We have been anointed. First John chapter two, verse 20. We have been anointed by the Holy One and we have power. So we have been anointed. We have not yet been crowned. The Apostle Paul says, I know that there's laid up for me a crown. And remember, he says, and not for me only, but for all who has loved his appearing. I believe we're going to take those crowns and I think we're going to cast them at Jesus's feet. 
someday, showing that they're from him, that we're not worthy of them, but we're giving him praise, laud, and honor, that he really is the true king of his kingdom. Even so, here we are. What are we supposed to be doing in the meantime? Well, much like David, we're supposed to be setting captives free. And the way that we do that is we actually go into that place of captivity. We go in and we seek to set them free. We do it with a proclamation. And so the evil one, remember when he was tempting Jesus, the evil, the devil said to him, I will give you all this dominion and its glory for it's been handed over to me and I give it to whomever I wish. You remember this? He's saying this to Jesus and he just tells Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give it all to you. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't do that? Aren't you glad he stuck with it? He trusted God. He said, you shall worship and serve the Lord your God alone. But Satan has just said, all this domain. You see that up there? I will give you all this domain as though it's mine. It's been handed over to me. When Jesus meets with them, he's resurrected. Chapter 1, he's talking to them about his kingdom. And he's even, and they are even asking him, is, is this now the time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus, in a sense, says, times and epochs is not for you to know. My father knows that, but you be my witnesses. Don't worry if it's time to restore to Israel just yet. In the meantime, you go and you proclaim that my kingdom has come and you proclaim freedom to the captives. And, and release to the prisoners. And you tell them that they do not have to live in that domain of sin anymore. Sickness, death, and disease. And you say, well, what about that? Well, even the sting of death has now been removed. Because sin has been removed. Because the law has now been replaced with the gospel. So, the domain of darkness is not to keep us out. Whether that domain of darkness is in Ephesus, or Smyrna, or Pergamum, or Thyatira, or Sardis, or Philadelphia, or Laodicea. Did you ever notice Jesus said, I'll remove my lampstand. He calls it a lampstand. Why does he call his church in all of those areas a lampstand? Because it's a light Shining in a dark world. It's the light of God shining in that domain of darkness. The darkness cannot overtake the light. The gates of Haiti will not prevail against Jesus's kingdom. Jesus in John chapter 8 says, I'm the light of the world. There in chapter 8, verse 12. And then do you remember what he says as people are listening to him and he's talking to them about the kingdom? This is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. He's talking to them about the ethics of the kingdom. And he says to them, you are the light of the world. <laughs> this is amazing. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Why? Because the anointing that was on Jesus, Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is on, on me, has anointed me to proclaim freedom to the captives. Luke chapter 4, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. I am anointed now to set these captives free. You have an anointing from the Holy One. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. We are to go to the places of darkness and shine the light of Jesus and proclaim the message to the captives to come out of there. They can be set free. They don't have to live in all of that darkness and those bonds. We can say to people in addiction, you can get free from this. There's freedom for you. There's a kingdom of light. Hear ye, hear ye. The king has come. And the king is coming back again. And in the meantime, you can be accepted. 
So Paul goes in to the epicenter of darkness, Rome, where there's a Caesar named Nero. Nero, forgive me for this, was a real zero. And I say forgive me that because he did horrible, evil, terrible things to our people, to the people of God. He kicked his own pregnant wife and caused her death. And Paul, at the end of the book of Acts, is there for two years from the year 60 to the year 62. And while he's there, he writes Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians and Philemon. And then he's released and he gets to go and minister some more. And then he writes like first and second Timothy. And then he eventually, as far as we know, by tradition is telling us and it's strong, strong writings, extra biblical writings, he would then be beheaded during Nero's persecution of the Christians in about the year 67, 68. He goes into the epicenter of darkness. Historians think that Nero went crazy. And I'm not saying he didn't have some sort of mental illness. Uh, it could have been physical, but I do know this. He was demonized, definitely, by the very vicious and horrific things that happened to Christians under his rule and in his time period. And the apostle had already said when he was speaking before Festus, he had said to them, um, Jesus had told me, and he tells them the words of Jesus, and he said, Jesus has sent me to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they might turn from darkness to light from the domain of Satan to God. Did you hear that? Darkness to light, a domain of Satan to God, to God's wonderful, beautiful, expansive kingdom of light where everybody is accepted. Whosoever will. Whoever will come and believe and hear and receive the message. And so he sticks his hand into this wood pile to fetch some wood. And the serpent comes out and latches on him. And you know, Jesus said, this is the end of Mark's gospel, they they will pick up serpents with their hands. They will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And so you, here you see the Apostle Paul getting bit by a serpent, but he recovers. Now, unfortunately, I got to say this little bit and you probably know what I got to say. There are some groups somewhere around the Midwest, West Virginia, Ohio, and then those sorts of areas that take that so literal that they pass vipers around. And to that, I would say, go back to when Satan was tempting Jesus, saying, jump off of here. What does Jesus say to him? It's not good to put the Lord your God to a test. So praise God in his mercy, he for the most part, protects a lot of those folks that are passing around those vipers. But that's not the point of that verse. The point of that verse is the kingdom of Christ is more powerful than the domain of darkness. Go in there and help set captives free. This is why I lay hands on folks when I pray for them. Don't have to, but this is why I do. Because the Bible... Uh, does tell me to do that. And so you even see the Apostle Paul doing that here in this these verses. Verse 8, it happened that the father of Publius was lying in bed afflicted with recurrent fever and dysentery, and Paul went in to see him. He could have gotten sick going in there. And after he had prayed, he laid his hands on him and healed him. Just like when Jesus, the anointed one, Jesus, prays for Peter's mother-in-law. Do you remember that? She had a fever. And he sets her free of that fever. And now Luke is showing us 
this kingdom that's advancing. He goes in and he gives this message. Now, one of the things I think that, that Luke is trying to do here is when, first of all, these uh, natives from the island, and they were not, historians say they were not barbaric. They were all Greeks, were living, Romans were living there. So, so it wasn't like what you, people might think of a savage type of a situation. Although these folks were literally from there. So they most likely were not Greek speaking nor uh, speaking Latin. So they probably spoke whatever language they spoke. Uh, and, and the Bible often refers to folks like this as barbarians, which actually means they just don't speak Greek or Hebrew or Latin. They spoke some other sort of language. And yet they show them all kinds of extraordinary, verse 2, extraordinary kindness because of the rain. And they assume that because they've survived this shipwreck, that God's blessing must be on them. And then they're confused as the viper bites Paul. And then they blurt out and they think now they change their minds into verse 6. And the word there for change your mind is not the typical for repent. So King James may say there that they repented or they relented. This is a different word that Luke uses here. It just literally means an intellectual change of the mind about what the facts are. And so they change their mind, but they're not saved. He's not saying that they're saved by that. And because of the end of verse 6, they began to say that he was a god. And this is at least the third time in the book of Acts that this has happened. Something like this has happened. In chapter 10, they thought that Peter uh, was a god. In chapter 11, uh, excuse me, 14, they think Paul's a god. And you may remember they are even crying out in chapter 12 that Herod is a god. And Herod takes all the praise and dies because of it. The kingdom of Christ has come. And because of that... The winds are not in control. The waves are not in control. The seas are not in control. Centurions are not in control. God Almighty is in control. Jesus has His own. And Jesus has purposes for each of our lives. And we are to get on to His kingdom and His righteousness and do the very things that He calls us to do. To press in to those places that seem like darkness. And while this country that we're living in keeps pursuing and chasing and running after the darkness, we are the light. We're the light. We're the ones who have to proclaim and tell the truth and call people out of that domain into Jesus's awesome kingdom of light. So they they make their way. I had those maps up there. Let me uh, bring this back. They make their way from Malta. There's this wind that's blowing. They get to Syracuse all the way up there through Reg. Uh, Regium and Luke even points out that the one of the ships that, that they get on here from Alexandria in verse 11, uh, I mean, verse 11 right there has the two twin brothers, the figurehead on there, some Bible's name, uh, those brothers. One was supposedly the son of Zeus, a god who would give divinity to his brother, uh, after, for half of the year, six months out of the year. And so there's almost like an irony here how God has seen them safely through and they've got these two idols, so to speak, on the front of this Alexandrian ship. Now last week I misspoke. Alexandria is is right here, North Africa. And um, so these Alexandrian ships often would come right up through this way, bringing wheat up to Rome. And they get on this ship and they make it all the way safely. And uh, lo and behold, there are some brethren there. Verse 14, we found some brethren that would be believers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And thus we came to Rome, verse 15, and the brethren, when they heard about us, came from there as far as the market of Appius. 
and the three ends. And some of your Bibles may tell you it's about 43 miles, 33 miles. This is how far they trekked to come. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God, verse 15, and he takes courage. And when they enter then into Rome, Paul was being guarded. This is in verse 16. Praetorium guard he was with, and he's Depending on what level of a criminal you are or were, you would either be placed in a dungeon, but if it was a lighter crime or lighter, if you were a lighter threat, you could just be uh, chained loosely to a praetorium guard or a guard of some sort. So he's with one of the higher up guards. But we do believe that he was chained because over in verse 20, he says, for this reason, therefore, I requested to see you and to speak with you, for I'm wearing this chain. Do you see that? For the sake the hope of Israel. That hope is that hope of the resurrection once again. So if you were no threat whatsoever, you weren't chained at all. If you were just a slight threat, they would tie you to a Roman guard of some sort. And this is how Paul now is. But by no means is his message hindered at all. Verse 31, it's not hindered because of the kingdom of Christ. So this, the book of Acts then does us, it brings us and it shows us how God's kingdom is making advances right now until Jesus returns. And when Christ returns, he's going to bring in the fullness of his kingdom. Revelation chapter 19, Jesus is going to return and uh, eventually, somehow, in some way, we are going to have these resurrected bodies where God is going to somehow take this perishable body and make an imperishable body where we can be in and bask in his glory. And in the fullness of the kingdom, there will be no sickness There will be no sin, there will be no death, no disease, no demons. Right now what happens is we're supposed to be a part of that, where we are helping set those captives free. We have authority over these things is what I'm trying to say. We have, we are the light of the world. Jesus has come into us. The light has shone in the dark place and the darkness cannot and will not overtake the light. And if the church could really get a hold of this, we would not cower as much as we do. We would not be as silent as much as we are. We would proclaim the kingdom of Christ. What's the message of the kingdom? The message of the kingdom is this. The whole world has been in bondage, the domain of the evil one. But God has shown his light by sending his son. And he was born of a virgin. The king has come. And we watch the king be anointed by the Holy Spirit and start setting people free and saying, repent for the kingdom is at hand and enter into this kingdom before the king returns. Because when he comes back, he's not coming as a lamb. He's coming as a lion. He's not coming back to make friends. He's coming back to take care of and get rid of all of his enemies. And all of the Bible has spoken to this. Psalm 68, let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let those who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish before God. But let the righteous be glad and let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice with gladness. Did you hear that? And that's Psalm 68 that blatantly, clearly says God is king. The king is coming. So here the apostle Paul gets into Rome. 
Some Jewish people come to him and he starts sharing the gospel with them. This was in the rest of the chapter. The people come to him. Verse uh, 17, after three days, Paul called together those who were leading men of the Jews. And when they came together, he began saying to them, brethren, though I had done nothing against our people or, or customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. Why is he telling them this? Because they may think, what are you doing causing trouble for Jewish people? And he's saying, I was not causing trouble. Here's what happened. And this is why I have shown up here in Rome. Verse 18 He says, and when they examined me, they were willing to release me because there's no ground for putting me to death. But when the Jews objected, I was forced to appeal to Caesar. I'm in verse 19 now. Not that I had my, or not that I had any accusation against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I requested to see you and to speak with you, for I'm wearing this chain for the sake of the hope of Israel. Verse 21, they said to him, We have neither received letters from uh, Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren come here and reported or spoken anything bad about you. Now look, he's been on a boat. He's been shipwrecked. He's had to stay at an island. And and these folks who had were supposedly just ready to set an ambush and they were down there, it seems like they could have already made it to Rome. And yet, for whatever reason, they didn't get there before Paul. They didn't get there and say, we want to tell you about this troublemaker and here's what he's doing and start telling a bunch of lies about him and all the false accusations. Verse 22, they say, but we desire to hear from you what your views are for concerning this sect. It is known to us that it's spoken against everywhere. And here's the thing. This is so much more than a sect. This is so much more than just a little spin-off of Judaism, the Jewish people. This is the very fulfillment of it. This is what the whole Older Testament pointed to. So he says to them in verse 23, when they had, or verse 26, when they had set a day for Paul, they came to him at his lodgings in large numbers, and he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God, there it is, and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets from morning until evening. He's trying to show them that all of these books of the Older Testament all pointed to this king named Jesus who's brought in his kingdom. And there's time for you to come and to join and to get in, you're accepted. All you got to do is accept him as your king. All, all you have to do is just say, I'm sorry I've sinned. I want to come in. Lord Jesus, I want to now acknowledge you. I want to follow you, King Jesus. I'm done with all of those other domains. I don't want to be king anymore. I'm tired of trying to run things my own way. Beloved, let me say it today. You can be accepted if you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. You can come in and you've got a glorious future. You got the whole hope of the resurrection that's still coming. You got this day coming that you're going to be in his presence. Why? Peter says, fix your hope completely on the joy that's going to be brought to you. Have you ever heard the statement? If the, if the devil keeps reminding you of your past. Yeah, remind him of his future. Well, tell him about your future too. I got a better home awaiting. I'm a sojourner here. I'm an exile. I hadn't been crowned yet, but I've been anointed. And in the meantime, I'm going to be about his kingdom. May his kingdom come. May his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is about his power, his glory forever and ever. Verse 24, some were being persuaded by the things spoken, but others would not believe. 
And it's that same exact way today, isn't it? So Luke shows these natives come and they're all happy and they're like, we really like this guy, Paul and Hare, coming. And yeah, they receive his ministry, come in here and pray for our leader and all these sorts of things. They'll receive him, but his own people reject his message. This is amazing that the, that the Gentiles will believe this message, but the Jewish people who've been raised in the law and the prophets, they won't listen. They won't receive this. What Paul says, a veil lies over their hearts. This is more than amazing. Follow with me. This is the whole plan and program of God. This is God's doing. Romans chapter 9 through 11. God has cut them off for a period to make them jealous. And in the meantime, he's grafted in all of us Gentiles to make them jealous. So they want to say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to believe this. I want these blessings. I want this healing. I want this help. I want this power. I want this hope that you have. The kingdom of Christ is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I want this real righteousness. I want this peace. I want this joy. What is it? It's the, but here's what's going to happen. Don't get arrogant, everybody. Romans 11 says God is going to bring them back in. So people said to me this, well, if somebody's a Jew, are they saved? If they believe in Jesus, if they receive their king, if they get out of their own little kingdom and get into his kingdom, they can be accepted too. Absolutely. But God, through Paul, gives the same message, and it's been a theme throughout the book of Acts, honestly. Jesus quoted these verses And they're absolutely true. They're from Isaiah chapter 6. Follow with me. Verse 26. Go to this people and say, he's quoting from Isaiah 6. You will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. And you will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. And with their ears, they scarcely hear and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their ears eyes, excuse me, and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return. And I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will also listen. You know what I think we're supposed to do with those verses? I think first we should see, yeah, this really is going according to the way God has it all planned. This is going the way God's saying it's going. And if that's the case, then I need to believe it's going the way he says it's going to go in book of Revelation too. He, He really is going to return. There is going to be a day we're all going to stand before him. And we're going to answer for everything. Every little word that we ever spoke, we're going to answer for. And books are going to be open. And then a book of life will be open. And all whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life are forgiven. And get to come in, enter in to the kingdom of my Father. Won't you come in? Won't you come in? I think when we read those and it, and, and like he said to Isaiah, go just say this to him. Hey, everybody, I want you to keep on listening, but you're not going to understand. You're going to keep on seeing things, but you're not going to be able to see it. Your, your heart's dull. Your heart's not going to receive it. I think this is what I sometimes call reverse psychology. I think it's supposed to make, what are you talking about? Well, I'm going to hear it. You know what I'm saying? It's so amazing to me how reluctant people are to accept the gospel. To come in to Jesus. They're terrified. Do you want to know what they're terrified about? Giving up control. Giving up control. You imagine saying, well, you know what? This gospel is for these three over here. No, I'm not sharing it with you. You're not allowed in. 
You don't think the person, what are you talking about? I'm not allowed in. I'm going to believe in Jesus right now. You see, that's the kind of thing that happens. The evil one has blinded, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they cannot see the glory of God that shines in the face of Christ. And I would just say, beloved, don't let that veil linger over your eyes, your ears, or your heart. But come in today and be made complete. One last thing, and then I think I'm done. Did you notice the way the book ends, verse 30 and 31? He stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, unhindered, period. It's like open-ended. It's like, okay, but then what happened to him? What happened next? It's like a cliffhanger. Isn't that interesting? Because it continues now. So there's ministries literally called Acts 29, even though there's not a chapter 29. But what they're saying is, this message of the kingdom continues even now, even to today. I, I wish we as churches could get our eyes off our own little church. And get them on the kingdom of Christ. If, if we would get, if we would get our meditation and our prayers onto the kingdom of Christ, Christ will build his church. Jesus will build the church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against his church. Jesus will build his church. We gotta get about his kingdom. In other words, as I have said over this past year, as we've been in this book, we need to be more mindful about how many we're sending out than we are about how many we're getting to come in. Churches are busy counting how many come in, but they can't tell you how many they're sending out. Do you follow what I'm saying? This message of the kingdom goes everywhere. So... This is why Carl and I are headed to Kenya. We're headed to advance the kingdom. And we're going in there to take the new covenant. And Pastor Joseph said, do you guys want to go on a safari when you're there? And we said, no. (laughs) I just want to preach the gospel. and, And he's got pastors in place all around there. And they don't have Bibles. Some of them don't have Bibles. Think about this. We're so in our country, in our own little churches, that we got all these Bibles everywhere, and we're not even sure if we want to open one up. You see what I'm saying? They don't even have a Bible. What are they doing? In the New Covenant, they are hearing from the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, verse 25, they're hearing from the, and, and the law is written on their minds and on their hearts. This is Jeremiah 31. If you guys got to get going, I understand, get going, because I'm just rolling with it now. The law of God, Torah, law means instruction. And in the new covenant, the instruction is now given to our minds in our hearts. I asked Pastor Joseph, how many messages do you want us to share? Because he wants us to give seminars and teach these pastors. And a lot of them are meeting under a tree. And and how many messages? And he said, oh, about 19. I'm like, <laughs> and I know some of you are saying, well, Steve, you can just preach some of your messages you used to preach. No. I'm not going to go down there with yesterday's manna. <laughs> Trust the living God is going to give me messages and Carl messages. And we're going to go and we're going to proclaim. And we are going to call captives. Come out of that domain. You don't have to stay in all of that. You don't have to stay in that sin. You don't have to stay in that sickness. You do not have to give in to these demons and listen to these witch doctors. And then, then... 
Lord willing, uh, we're going to come back. Amen. That's Lord willing. We make it back. And I hope to take others the next time. Take the others next time with us. I felt, we felt like we need to go and see first. Been helping them out a lot. Carl's ministry has been helping them out a bunch. We need to go down there and see it. You know what I mean? We need to see what God is doing and what God wants to do there. And before I just said, let's take a whole team down there. I felt like, well, let's go down there first and see. My one request, my one request of Joseph was, None of those black mamba snakes. You know, and those things will kill you like the first bite. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know what size this viper was that Paul shook off. But, you know, those black mambas are like eight feet long. You see what I'm saying? So I got, I don't know, you're like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm rambling. Okay. But I have two huge fears in the natural realm. One is a grizzly bear. And the other's a black mamba. And so, but I'm going to go down there. We're going and we want your prayers. Because Luke has shown all throughout this book how powerfully and important prayer is. Paul goes in and he prays for this guy and he lays hands on this guy and his fever is healed. What's he doing? He's making an opening for the kingdom. He's making an opening. He said, what was that? How did you do that? The Lord Jesus did that. And if you'll believe in him, you too can be accepted. Beloved, there is freedom from that captivity of depression. You do not have to live in depression. You don't have to live succumbing to night terrors and nightmares. This is a kingdom of light. You don't have to keep using all sorts of horrible language when you get upset. This is the kingdom of the king who will empower you to do things and become things you never, ever could have done before. The book of Acts has not finished. It's not over. God's still writing this story through your life. Setbacks will happen. Did they happen to Paul? Did they happen to Peter? Did they happen to James? Setbacks don't disqualify us. When the devil reminds you of your past, tell him about your future. And if you haven't believed in Jesus, if you have not bowed your knee to Jesus, the Bible says that at the name of Jesus, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I believe that even those in hell will be confessing Jesus really is Lord. Why didn't I believe in him? You and I have the opportunity today. Do not let the devil hold some veil of fear over your eyes. Father in heaven, I hope I've said what you wanted me to say. I pray now that you would use it to build up, to instruct your church. But Lord, would you use this to set captives free from the domain of darkness? Would you transfer them into the kingdom of your beloved son? In Jesus' name, amen.